Welcome to the United Soccer Coaches Podcast, presented by Team Snap and hosted by veteran soccer broadcaster Dean Linky. Uniting coaches at every level of the game around the love of the game. We are United Soccer Coaches. Now, here's our host, Dean Linky. One of the most decorated players to ever play for the U.S. women's national team, three-time Olympic gold medalist, a World Cup champion with the full team, a youth World Cup champion, a two-time NCAA champion, a multiple professional champion, and guess what? On Sunday against the Chicago Red Stars, Heather O'Reilly, the great Heather O'Reilly, will start at right back as the North Carolina Courage look to win the double again, the Shield, and the NWSL title in back-to-back years Heather O'Reilly kicks off our show right after Heather O'Reilly we'll be joined by Sue Delgurchio she's a 30 under 30 member but like Heather O'Reilly she's from New Jersey so we had to go with her right there then it's Julio Serrano he's the new Latino coaches advocacy chair for United Soccer Coaches meanwhile the United Soccer Coaches rankings are out D1 men number nine Missouri State that's right Missouri State they've been led by John Leamy forever John Leamy, 28 years, incredible success, yet he doesn't want to talk. He wants to give all the credit to his players, so he has one of his star players, Stu Wilkin, talk about being number nine on the country, talk about playing for Coach Leamy. That's right, Missouri State, number nine, D1 in the country. Stu Wilkin joins us, and then we end with Laura Grau here. She's been through a lot, folks. It's not been all dreamy like it's been for Heather O'Reilly. She has had to overcome adversity. She's a member of our 30 under 30, and she'll wrap up our show. But we start with the great, the one and only, Heather O'Reilly, after this message from our presenting sponsor, Team Snap. Does managing your club or league feel like a second job? If so, you might need some help. With Team Snap, you can get it. Their customers save up to 15 hours each week on tasks such as communication, registration, scheduling, and more. Plus, everything you need is online, which means no more trips to the bank, no more lost checks, and no more colossal spreadsheets. Bring your club or league into the 21st century with Team Snap. Go to TeamSnap.com to find out more. Now, once again, here's your host, Dean Linky. Welcome back to the United Soccer Coaches Podcast presented by Team Snap. And yes, indeed, I am giddy because right off the top, the great Heather O'Reilly. And when you use great, that barely covers it. You know about the 231 caps, the 47 goals for the USA. But she's just a winner, folks, and her story keeps getting better. But let's remind everybody that she won the U19 Women's World Cup back in 2002. She won the national champion for the Tar Heels in 2003 and 2006. She was a gold medalist in Athens in 2004, a gold medalist in Beijing in 2008. She won the WTS with Sky Blue back in 2009, another gold medal, 2012. Women's World Cup champion, 2015. The same year, she won the NWSL with Kansas City. Then she won the ICC and played a key role, scored a big goal last year when the Courage won the triple, the ICC, the Shield, and the title. This year she's got another Shield, and on Sunday at 3.30 on the ESPN Network, she's going to go for yet another title. And here's the deal, she's going to do it as a starter. She's also now on the staff for UNC, and the story just keeps getting better. I mean, Heather O'Reilly, look, a lot of great things have happened to you because you're a great person, 
But the fact that you scored a PK the other day, you're going to start it right back on Sunday. I mean, please tell me you're soaking it all in. Please tell me you are. <laughs> um, I guess I am. I mean, it was unfortunate for the courage to lose uh, our starter and Merritt Mathias at right back. But as soon as she got injured, I knew that, you know, it might be me that's being called on to step up in that position. And just the way that Paul Riley plays, uh, we play a 4-4-2, but a very narrow box midfield, which, you know, as thrilled as I was to join the North Carolina Courage, it wasn't exactly the best system for my strength as a out-and-out winger that I've kind of been for the last decade or so. So um, actually probably getting in that right-back spot is, is likely my best position for the North Carolina Courage. And, yeah, what a thrill, man, to go out uh, playing an important role in the field and, um, I've been good in terms of my penalty kicks and set pieces and things like that at training all throughout. So um, I'm just ready to step up when the team needs me. And I'm trying not to get too overwhelmed by, you know, obviously so many emotions uh, that can go along with your last season. And uh, just really kind of see out this this final game and, and take it from there. <laughs> it's taken a lot of mental fortitude to kind of do that because, uh, you know, obviously – it is a transition time in my life, and I've been at this for a long time, but I know that if I sort of squander any energy any place else besides doing the best I can for the, for the team, I'll be disappointed in myself. So all attention is on this Sunday. What an answer. And, I mean, please tell me, Heather, you're feeling the love because even a couple of weeks ago I had Michael Neal on, and he was talking about how you would even come by Rutgers even after your time at UNC and how he feels so touched and honored that you would touch base with him. And he just is the beginning. I mean, everyone that I've turned to that has any connection with you, one of our 30 under 30 guests today is from New Jersey, loves Heather O'Reilly, right? Because you're the pride of New Jersey with Carly and Tobin and so many great players. Tell me that's not lost on you. People are feeling you, Heather, making this run. I definitely feel the love. I feel incredibly supported. I feel like I almost have this, like, safety net right behind me that's just saying, like, just go for it. Like, we're behind you. We love you. Um, and it's given me so much strength sort of moving forward. I think, like, about a year and a half ago, um, I started to get a lot of anxiety about, like, the end of my career. And I, I went to London you know, knowing that that was, you know, perhaps kind of a cherry on top of my career. I had never go, gone to play overseas. I wanted to check out Arsenal. I did that for a year and a half. And then when that was kind of coming to a close, um, yeah, I felt like a little bit sad and a little bit anxious that I didn't know if that was sort of it for me and where I kind of wanted to go from there. And, um, you know, I realized that, no, it wasn't, it wasn't the end for me, that I had a lot more to give. And there was this this team that was, you know, kicking everybody's butt, basically, in my backyard in North Carolina. So I knew that I wanted to do everything that I could to get there. I wanted to end in North Carolina. It's, it, it sort of uh, felt a lot better to me than, you know, going out, obviously, in England, where people don't, you know, know me and love me as much as my, my fans here, my supporters here. And I wanted to give my family and friends an opportunity to sort of, uh, see me. So it all kind of worked out. It's all sort of f- full circle. This is the same place that I came, you know, as a wide-eyed teenager about 17 years mm-hmm. ago uh, when I was deciding right. to come to University of North Carolina. And here at Wake Med Park is where I scored my first national team goal 17 years ago, almost to this day, uh, for Team USA. So uh, it is beautiful sort of how it's all worked out. But I think at the end of the day, I think I've, I've, I've come to, to recognize 
that it is really the relationships along the way, the um, the stories, the moments that you remember with teammates. Um, I'm, I'm sure it's held very, very proud of my trophy closet. Um, I think that it's pretty <laughs> solid. I feel very good about it. But um, even more proud of my trophy uh, cabinet is is sort of the uh, the the cabinet of, of friends and and people behind me that I have. So uh, that's what I'm most proud of and 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 super excited about going forward. I know it's it's not over for me. You know, this is just uh, one one kind of closing of a chapter. But there's a lot more in my story, and and I'm excited about that. Yeah, but how about, like, writing that story and you're going along, you're like, yeah, this will be my last season, and, yeah, I'm going to go over and cover a World Cup and and that type of thing. But then you get to add in these special moments. So let's just go over a couple of them. One, Heather O'Reilly night, okay? You're out there. You are just killing it. You almost score a goal. You're, they move you up. You get it. You take a couple steps. World-class goal. You take a bow. You add an assist. You get subbed out with nobody to replace you. Let's start with that, because what a night, Heather O'Reilly. Oh, it was so special. You know, the Courage sat down with me a little bit earlier in the season and, and said, you know, we want to pick a game towards the end um, to honor you. They didn't want to do it the last game just because we just didn't know what, um, you know, the end of the season would entail in terms of how the table would be shaping up, et cetera. So they chose that one to sort of be my celebration night, and, uh, again, I think going into the game, I just was trying to kind of keep my emotions in check because I don't know about you, Dean, but when I get emotional, I'm like a total basket case. I cry so much. <laughs> I get I get, I get so tired. I'm like exhausted. So I knew that I just like, I just wanted to stay focused and, uh, and I had such a blast in that game. It was so much fun. Yeah, and then Paul Riley pushed me up. I struck one off my left foot, um, pretty much as, as good as I can strike a ball with my left. And Ashlyn Harris, of course, had to, <laughs> had to tip it out of uh, top bins. Uh, so I was devastated about that, but then I basically did the same exact uh, maneuver, I guess, coming off the left-hand side and bend it with my right. And, um, yeah, I mean, those are, that's the kind of shot that, you know, you train over and over and over again in training. Um, I've been doing it for a decade plus you know, bending with power into the side netting. and But to have it all come together in your, your glorious uh, testimonial match was, was pretty incredible. So I was very excited about the goal. Uh, that was awesome. I had a lot of friends and family there, which was very special. And you know what, Dean? I think we had a record crowd that night. So I'll, I take that as a big honor as well. Oh, yeah. It was because people respect your game so much. Brilliant goal, brilliant assist, the way the way you carry yourself. And let me just go backwards. We're going to kind of go bounce around because your story is so fascinating. But in many ways, as far as, like, writing your perfect swan song, you kind of took a minor risk, but a positive uh, step forward in all the, you know, uh, assets that you have. I mean, all the different faces of Heather O'Reilly, and that is also as – a TV personality, but if we're being frank, when you go in and say, hey, I'm going to go over for Fox and I'm going to play a key role in their studio thing, you're kind of saying, you know, look, i got to move forward. I know when I come back it's not going to be easy. Paul Riley was pretty open in saying, in fact, it's, it's not going to be easy. I don't even know if Heather O'Reilly will be on the top 18 when she comes back because we're that good, we're that deep. But you did it anyway, and you came back, and here you go, and you write that story against Orlando, and you're starting on Sunday in the championship game. But talk about that sort of, and, and mini risk is not the right word, but you know what I mean. Yeah, no, I think, it, you know, it was a calculated decision, obviously, that I had to make. And, you know, I was really transparent with 
um, Paul and the club even before the season started about, uh, you know, two, two really important things. One, that I was going to be going to Paris for five weeks. At that point, we didn't know exactly how many games it would be, um, but I was hoping that it would be only three games missed, and it, and in fact was only three games missed. Um, and the second big thing that I wanted to be transparent about is that it was my last season. And uh, the second thing was the the second point. Obviously, it was more for myself, really, than anybody. You know, um, it was more for me to sort of say it out loud, kind of get it off my chest, go into the year with sort of a clear head. Um, but anybody that knows me knows that when I'm when I'm at training or when I'm you know at home, I'm I'm doing everything I can do to be the best footballer I can be. Now, obviously, for me to be in Paris for five weeks. Um, yeah, it was a calculated professional decision that I had to make, and I thought that, um, you know, it was one that I couldn't pass up. I was going to be a lead analyst um, for, you know, 30 days in this, you know, incredibly well-watched event, and, you know, in Paris for the summer. There were just so many amazing things about this opportunity that um, I just did not want to surpass. Uh, that being said, I told Paul and, and the staff that I'd be working my butt off when I was in Paris, and um, anybody that knows me knows that when I'm on my own training, like, I push it. I can grind pretty good. Um, I'm not scared of kind of going out for an hour or two and just, you know, doing my running, keeping my fitness up. Um, I had a personal trainer over there that I would meet at the field. It was awesome. He barely spoke English. We had, like, a great time. Um, and he kept me fit, and he kept me ready to go, and obviously – um, it probably took about a month or so for me to kind of come back with the courage and feel like I was, you know, at my best in terms of fitness and movement and agility and all that kind of stuff because obviously you can do as much as you can do on your own, but um, playing in the top-level team environment is a different story. But, um, you know, yeah, I, I felt good that I maintained a, a good base when I was over there. And then when I came back, it was just about continuing to prove my value and prove my worth. And, you know, I know that I'm a winner. Paul knows that I'm a winner. You know, I'm, I'm 34, but I'm, I'm quite fit. You know, I'm not necessarily the fastest on the team because our team is blazing fast. Um, but I'm still a pretty quick player, um, as I've always been my entire life. Um, so I have, I had a lot of things kind of going for me from a fitness and athletic standpoint. Uh, that I knew that it wouldn't take me very long to get back once I, once I did get back. And I don't think anybody foresaw, uh, obviously, Merit Mathias going down, but I knew that I had, um, you know, a lot to give. And I, I just said to, you know, everybody that, like, you know, I had, I felt like I was going to play an important role. I just knew it. I knew it in my, in my gut. Um, I didn't know what it looked like. It, you know, it might look like coming on the, in the game in the 85th minute and, and creating a goal. I didn't know what it exactly looked like, but what it looks like now is 90 minutes at right back. So I'm, I'm doing that the best of my ability. <laughs> Incredible. Yeah. I mean, you think about, uh, some of your late games here, like you've taken on Carly Lloyd, who's also, part of that great New Jersey connection, and then you're going toe-to-toe with Megan Rapino, who's just one of the best players in the world, and now you're going to be facing Sam Kerr and Julie Ertz and Morgan Bryan and Tiana Davidson and Alyssa Nair. I mean, what a way to, to go out, right, against the, you know, the best against the best, right? I think so. You know, Chicago's an excellent team. Um, you know, we just beat a, good, a great team this weekend. It was so fun for me to battle it out, duel it out with Megan Rapino. Um, I thought about the matchup all week. You know, I knew that she was – she's one of the most thoughtful and savviest in terms of finding space out in the field, and I knew that she has 
sort of that lethal left foot um, crossing ability. So I wanted to prevent as many balls in the box as I could. And uh, I think, you know, we had a good contest out there. You know, obviously we're on the, the better end of it, so I feel pretty good about that. But it was it was fun for, for her and I to kind of go at it. And we've been, you know, doing that. Like and one of my friends, uh, Kate Markgraff, basically said, you know, it felt like we were back in – uh, U.S. national team days at inter-squad day when we would just, you know, play against each other. There were so many U.S. teammates out there. Um, you know, even Steph Cox was back in the lineup for Seattle. And, uh, you know, it was like in the mid-2000s when we were all training together and, and competing on the U.S. national team. So uh, it was a little bit like the good old days, but I felt like uh, the team obviously stuck together throughout that game and we were on the better side of it. But, yeah, Chicago is going to be a huge opponent for us. And, to be at home, and uh, we we just know that if we play well and we do and we do what we do, uh, we keep our habits that we've kept all year. That we're going to get opportunities on goal. It's just inevitable, and we have to just put them away. And we have to be very careful. Sam Kerr, obviously, she's one of the world's best. Because this is the United Soccer Coaches podcast, we are going to get in here as uh, we wrap up our time with you to the fact that you're now going to be a coach and you're going to be on the coaching staff with the legend that is Anson Dorrance. One question before that, and that is, as you approach this Sunday's game, one, what would it mean to you to walk off, you know, it's an obviously a Captain Obvious question, but to walk off with yet another title because you have too many to count. And then two, have you ever heard of Brett Favre? Because he said he was leaving, then he did come back. Any chance you could do to Brett Favre? So two-part question there. <laughs> I mean, it would be huge. I, I love winning, Dean. So whether I'm winning when I'm 20 years old or winning when I'm 34, I love winning. Um, obviously, it's my last go-round to win would be incredibly special. But I think that I've put a lot of thought into, you know, what it means to go out on top, that everybody likes to say that phrase, go out on top. And I think it means so many different things to so many people. To some people, it might be winning the World Cup. To some people, it might be being the best FIFA player of the year. To some people, it might be, you know, winning a, the domestic league trophy. Um, you know, there's so many different ways to calculate it, but I think – um, you know, when it comes down to it for me is going out with my uh, integrity intact, with my passion of uh, the game intact, with my relationships intact. Um, and, it, you know, if that's, the, if that's the case, then I'm definitely going out on top. And uh, like I said, I, you know, I think that this is just the top of my playing time. You know, I think there's a lot left in my story uh, in the sport. And, um and to answer your second question, I think that this is it for me. I think, you know, you can never say never, um, but I'm pretty, you know, I'm pretty confident that this is it. I think that I will – I'll always be a footballer, and that's that's the nice thing about soccer, you know, is that, like, you know, unlike NFL, there's so many – there's plenty of opportunities to play the game that you love. Um, I know, obviously, it's not the same as, as a professional level, but – you know, even for me, there's so much soccer being played in Chapel Hill. There's so, you know, I could always jump in with the college team. I could always jump in with pickup. I can always play with boys, and I always will. I mean, I love this game. I, I find a, a joy and a, a peace when I'm playing that's um, unlike anything else that I do. Um, so I'm always going to play. I mean, whether or not I need to play at the professional level, again, I, I think that, that, um, that that's probably over for me. Um, but this game is going to be involved in my life for a long time. 
Well, I'm going to take stock of that answer. Never say never, folks. You heard it right here because we could see one more run from Heather O'Reilly. The run we will see, though, is you being on the bench for North Carolina. You are now part of that staff. Again, this is the United Soccer Coaches Podcast. You have so much that the young players will be able to want to learn and sponge and be around you, Heather O'Reilly. What are you most looking forward to as you think about uh, becoming a full-time coach? Oh, yeah, I think that it's those um, personal connections that you get with the players, and I think that that's why I'm I'm increasingly interested in that age group of 18 to 21-year-olds. I think, um, you know, so much development on a, on a football side, but also on a human level kind of goes on at that college age. Um, I think that it's, uh, you know, in the U.S., a little bit of an interesting um, age group because, you know, in Europe there's a lot of academies and these players are playing professionally, getting time with the first team, et cetera. And in the U.S. we have a whole different system. And I think at some point um, it will be kind of catching up to the to the U.S. on the women's side. You know, the boys' side is a whole different story. But on the girls' side, I think that we need to start being very thoughtful about how we approach college soccer and how many games they're getting in a year and all this kind of stuff. So I'm excited about, you know, working with the players on an individual level, but also sort of maybe, you know, being helpful to move the college game into um, a, a model that we can see really helping the development of the game long term. I got to say it live. I got to call it live. Heather O'Reilly, take a bow. Now I'll say it right here. Heather O'Reilly, take a bow. Thank you so much for all you've done already for the game and for all that you are going to do for the future of the game. And thanks so much for being on the show, Heather O'Reilly. Always an honor to spend time with you. Thank you, Dean. Wow, who wants to follow Heather O'Reilly, right, on this week's United Soccer Coaches podcast? we got several great guests. We're actually going to mix it around. Normally I end with the 30 under 30, but because Sue Delgurcio is also from New Jersey, because she, like all of us, has looked up to Heather O'Reilly, she's going to be next. Sue Delgurcio, one of our 30 under 30 members, as we're almost down the stretch to do all 30-30 from the previous class. Of course, the new class has been announced. We'll start on them after the convention. Registration is now open for the 2020 United Soccer Coaches Convention in Baltimore. Make your plans to join us January 15th through the 19th for five days of coaching education, networking, meal and social functions, award presentations, and more. Register before December 11th to secure the best rate. Visit unitedsoccercoachesconvention.org to learn more. The United Soccer Coaches Convention, your event for all things coaching. Welcome back to the United Soccer Coaches Podcast presented by Team Snap. We get to meet some more members of our 30 under 30. And I always like having the female members on when I've got a big-time female superstar. And we kick off the show with Heather O'Reilly, who everybody's got to know. And now we're joined by Sue Dalgurcio, everybody's going to get to know. She is an assistant coach at Amherst College. That's a D3 women's program. She played collegially at Colby College in Maine, a D3 program. So she knows the greatness of D3 women's soccer. And Sue joins me now. Sue, thanks for being with us. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. So you can always say no matter what. Yeah, I remember that time that uh, I was on the same show as Heather O'Reilly. That's got to mean something, right? Yeah, it's pretty cool. And uh, we're both from Jersey, so, so I'm always pretty pumped about that. Well, growing up from Jersey, just before we get to you, I mean, when you look at Heather O'Reilly's career and all the games she's won and the way she's represented herself, 
Has she made an impact on you and other Jersey girls for sure? Oh, absolutely. I, I think one of the best parts about growing up in New Jersey is, is we have such a strong soccer culture. Um, and it's, it's not only Heather O'Reilly, it's Carly Lloyd, it's Tobin Heath, it's Yala Averbush. We, we've got such a rich history of, of developing, you know, quality players. Um, and, and to have a strong female representation, um, is really wonderful for, for the younger generations too. That's well said. All right, let's get to know you as we know plenty about Heather O'Reilly. So tell us where you grew up in New Jersey, when you started playing soccer, maybe some other sports you have, a little bit about your family. Give us your nice elevator speech here, too. <laughs> All right. I, uh, let's see what I can do. I, I grew up in Persephone, New Jersey. It's uh, like a suburb outside of New York City, maybe 40 minutes, so northern New Jersey. Um, I started playing soccer pretty young, um, but more competitively kind of into my early teens, and I always knew that, that I loved the sport, I loved being competitive, and um, as I, as I kind of got older, I, I found that balance between being a competitive athlete and being a competitive student, and that's one of the main driving forces that where I chose to to pursue uh, a Division III student-athlete experience. Family of four. Uh, I am the youngest of two. Um, I have an older sister, about three years older. Uh, my my two parents always said that my sister and I are pretty different um, with with our interests and activities, and my parents were always really grateful in in that because I think they always said, like, if there were two of the same of us, they wouldn't know what to do. Um, and <laughs> I, I think that's partially true because both both my sister Kim and I could explore so many so many passions and activities um, with a lot of support and encouragement from from my two parents, which I'm grateful for. Why Colby College? What made you pick Colby up in Maine? Ah, yeah. Uh, I, I was looking at a bunch of. Division threes across kind of New England, Mid Atlantic. Um, I knew I wanted to be within a certain radius of home. You know, I, I think anything less than eight hours was was going to be the perfect balance for me, um, so I could get home if I if I wanted to and not feel completely exhausted by the end of the drive. Um, my mom used to go up to Maine. Uh, as as a kid with some of her friends and family, and so there were some ties there. And I was looking in the NESCAC, the New England Small College Athletic Conference, um, at a bunch of different schools. And when I went up to Colby, I, you know, you you get that feeling, and it's such a special place. Um, it was a great size liberal arts education where I could explore a lot of different academic interests and then also be um, in, a, in a really competitive athletic conference, which was also important to me. Tell me your best memory as a player, whether it's at Colby or before you even arrived at Colby, and then we'll get to the transition into coaching. What's your best memory as a player? Oh, I would I would have to say my junior year, uh, we were at Bowdoin College, and Colby 
had been shut out by Bowden for for years. I don't think Colby had ever won won a game against Bowden, and and we won won nothing. Um, we scored probably midway through the first half. And then, like, the clouds opened up, and it started raining, and there was a lightning delay. Um, so it was like the soccer gods intervening. Um, and so we had the 30-minute delay. We came back out. We secured the win. And it and it still stands as, as the only time that Colby College has ever beaten Bowdoin in women's soccer. Um, so easily my, my favorite uh, soccer memory as a player. Okay, so when did you get the coaching bug? Was it while you were playing? When did that happen? I started coaching in college uh, as as my job. Um, we did a few different community outreach events and programs uh, through women's soccer at Colby, but then my coach had me gave me the opportunity to get involved with the local club in the area. Um, so through my four years as a student athlete, I also coached club at Seacoast um, from ages like U12 to U18, um, which was which was a tremendous opportunity. Um, and the club, the, the people, the club did such a great job in terms of supporting me and kind of providing a really sound foundation. Um, in methodology and philosophy too, which was tremendous. Okay, so when you're done with your playing days and you get your degree, tell us uh, what you did before you ended up at Amherst. Give us that track, please. Yeah, I I started coaching collegiately at Colby, um, so that was a such a fun experience to be on the other side um, and learn the ins and outs of program management and the NESCAC in Division Three. Um, after that year, I went out to the University of Redlands in Southern California in the SCIAC and coached out there for four years, uh, both as a graduate assistant. So I, I worked towards two masters, one in higher education and one in business and marketing. Um, and I loved it out there. It's a really similar conference to the NESCAC uh, in terms of philosophy. Um, plus, it was a little bit warmer, uh, which was which was always fun. Um, yeah. And and then I, when, once my degree program finished up, um, I traveled back cross country to Massachusetts. Um, I coached and worked as faculty at the Berkshire School, a uh, private secondary independent school, and really enjoyed that experience. But when the opportunity at, at Amherst presented itself, um, it was it was a chance that I, I simply couldn't pass up. Um, so I've been at Amherst for two years now. Now, when you were at Berkshire, um, and I realize you're on the women's side, but did you ever run across the Achara brothers, Achara and Achara Jr.? Did you ever see them or yeah. know their story there? Yeah? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I overlapped with Achara Jr., I think, his junior and senior year. Um, and such a nice, such a nice kid, yeah. Yeah, incredible. Yeah, I got to 
call his games for Northwestern, and he scored a goal against Indiana. Then I got to call Chara against uh, Maryland when they won one nothing on FS1, and they both spoke so highly of Berkshire and what it's meant coming from a very poor family in Nigeria. I mean, it's life-saving um, for both those kids. So I love that you were there, probably making an impact even bigger than you even realized. And then one follow-up to your time in California. What about Ralph Perez? Did you run across him out there when you were out there? Oh, yeah, of course. Uh, working with Ralph was such a blast. He's he's always around. He's somebody that, like, wherever I am, I somehow, like, cross paths with those connections. And um, catching up with him at, at the convention is is always a really fun time. So he's, he's a great, he's a great guy. Well, and uh, he's a great mentor to so many others. What about your mentors, even your 30 under 30 mentor and other mentors that have played a key role in your development as a coach? Yeah, I've been extremely fortunate to have such strong mentors um, and strong female mentors, which I, which is something that I really value. Um, from my my coach at Colby, uh, Jen Holston, who kind of got me into coaching initially, um, and then out at the University of Redlands with Suzette Sabodi and and here in Amherst with with Jen Hughes, who's who's been here for I think she's in her 16th season. Um, also, the the opportunity to to work with Allison Wilbur uh, through the 30 Under 30 program. Um, who's been the head coach at William Smith, the extremely established uh, program. It's, it, I, I think for for me, kind of as I've navigated this coaching experience um, and career, having a, a female head coach um, is something that I really value and is a priority to me, um, especially working with young female student-athletes. Um, I think that that's an extremely important aspect of, of our role as coaches and educators, um, and the ability to, to make those connections is, is key for success. When you see all these females having great success and doing it for a long, long time, what do you think your goal might be in 15, 20 years from now, Sue? Ultimately, I, I want to be able to look back and and maintain these relationships and connect with student-athletes and alums across programs um, for which I've worked and and see how they've developed and, and where they are and see that progress both personally and professionally for them. Um, you know, for, for us, soccer is a piece of the puzzle. Um, and... You, very few players are able to go on to play professionally um, in the United States or even abroad. And so the, the, with the philosophy of Division Three and the NESCAC and, and my personal experience, it's, it's about building life skills and building transferable skills that, that can help them become stronger people and give back to communities. Um, and so in 15, 20 years, I want to be able to, to make connections across across my personal career and um, see all that progress um, and, and be able to hear stories of, of their times as 
student athletes at Amherst or Redlands or wherever else I, I may end up um, and maintain those relationships. I love that answer. So finally, obviously, the 30 Under 30 program was important enough for you to want to be a part of. As we uh, end our conversation with you, why has United Soccer Coaches been so important to you at such a young age? I think that the structure and the organization is is so significant. Um, you know, soccer as a as a community is is global and international, and, and to be able to connect coaches and professionals not only collegiately but from the college level to the professional level to the youth and developmental levels, it's it's a really unique organization um, that that helps develop and cultivate quality coaches and people. Um, I think that it's unique because, you know, we can look at other organizations like the NCAA or the IL, like the, uh, I forget the abbreviation, but like women's lacrosse, you know, they're, they're tailored towards really specific levels. But the fact that um, you can interact with people and you can always learn from others wherever they are, um, that's something that's been significant for me as I've developed from club to college and who knows where else. That's a great answer, Sue, and certainly enjoy spending time with you on all levels. Thank you so much. Congrats on being a member of the 30 Under 30, and good luck in uh, all your endeavors. Thanks for being with us. Yeah, thanks so much. Appreciate your time. Have a good one. Up next, Julio Serrano, the new Latino Coaches Advocacy Chair for United Soccer Coaches, and a very good man indeed. Julio's next. Continue to learn and build your coaching resume by attending one of United Soccer Coaches' Winter Advanced Diplomas January 6th through the 10th in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. United Soccer Coaches is conducting five advanced diplomas this January. The National, Advanced National, Premier, Advanced National Goalkeeping, and National Youth Diplomas. Go to unitedsoccercoaches.org education to learn more about these courses and get registered today. Welcome back to the United Soccer Coaches podcast. Having another great show. How awesome was it to spend time with Heather O'Reilly? What a story. She thought she was just going to sail off, make it easy. Now she's got a chance to start it right back and help the North Carolina Courage win an NWSL championship on Sunday. As you know, United Soccer Coaches is all things to all people. That's what we love about it. And just a couple weeks ago, they announced that Julio Serrano is the new chair for the Latino Coaches Advocacy Group in his role as the chair. Serrano will build a team from the Latino Coaches community to identify the needs of the membership and advocate on their behalf, which is awesome. He will also represent Latino Coaches as a member of the United Soccer Coaches Advocacy Council. And by the way, he's also the director of coaching for the Heart of the City Club, which is in Waukegan, Illinois, and Julio Serrano joins me now. Mr. Serrano, pleasure to be with you. Dean, uh, thank you again for the invitation, and this is a great honor. You know, I'm a listener to your show, so this is quite an honor. Thank you very much. Well, I'm honored because I like your story, because a lot of times, you know, this world we live in is about, you know, false beliefs and myths and that type of thing, and that is you got to know somebody to get in, and that's how your connection is made, but 
you're the opposite. I mean, this is something that uh, you were able to do organically. You were able to do it through hard work and perseverance, and now you've got this big role. I feel like you're pretty humble, but I also feel like I'm right about that, aren't I, Julio? You, you've worked hard to get to this point, haven't you? Yeah, yeah, Dean, it's been a kind of <clears throat> kind of an unconventional route, if you will. Um, we've definitely worked hard, and, and it's, it's, it goes back to, to just, again, you know, working hard. You know, a uh, long time ago, a uh, long time ago, Coach said to me, it's not what you do when the lights are on, it's what you do when the lights are off. It doesn't make a difference in your life and makes a difference in people's lives. So I think, you know, that's, it's just, a, it's a, it has been a long road. You know, it's been a long road, and it's been, uh, but it's been, you know, that coaching journey that we all partake on, you know, everything, everything up to this point has kind of, you know, prepared me, I believe, for this role with the United Star coaches. And, you know, we're super excited to get started. Well, just to tell you how talented he was, he was selected from a pool of nearly 30 applicants. He brings a vast range of coaching experience and has served as a coaching education instructor with several state associations. He is currently a member of the Illinois Youth Coaching Staff, and as I told you earlier, he's got that DOC job. An association member since 2016, this is his first official role with the United Soccer Coaches. So I kind of already set the table. I'm guessing Sue Ryan was involved somehow, but how did you find your way to a table, in fact, to say, <laughs> hey, I'm going to raise my hand, I want to be involved in this? Well, to be honest with you, man, it was uh, it was a great friend of mine in uh, in, uh, in Northern California, a coaching friend and colleague of mine that we coached together for a long time, and he sent me an email one morning. I think it was back in the spring or the summer, and he says, "Hey, man, you know, I know you've got a lot on your plate. You just moved to Waukegan. You have your family out there, but I think you would be perfect for this position." And, and I read it and I, I looked into it a little bit, and sure enough, I applied and. And, uh, you know, we were fortunate enough to, to get looked at and, and, and get noticed. And, and, yeah, Sue Ryan, I had a great conversation with her, and, and we hit it off. You know, we hit it off when, when, when we had a phone conversation, and she's like, you know, you know, one thing that she really does love and the association loves, and, I, and I, I'm just humbled to share it, is everything that we were talking about, Dean, comes from experience. You know, it comes from real-life experience that we can share, you know, with our members, and share that you know you can you can uh, obtain uh, higher roles you can obtain higher levels of education in soccer um, just you know you just have to I hate to say this but you did sometimes sometimes you do have to work a little bit harder and, and you know that's not and, that, and that's okay you know you just roll up your sleeves you know and get to work and, and sometimes it does mean volunteering your time and sometimes it does mean giving up um, giving up weekends and stuff like that and. You know, to all the young coaches, Latino coaches or non-Latino coaches out there, that's what it's about, man. It's, it's about really getting your name out there, uh, doing good work, uh, you know, being being uh, being a reliable person, accountable, and you know, it, it just it leads to good things, man. It really does. It leads to good things. You know, everybody say it, it, we live in a world of cliches, you know, and, but you know, hard work does pay off, team. It really does. Well, and also we live in at times, as you know, a divisive country, one that we're tra- still trying to sort through because you also have a story to tell there you're the son and spouse of Mexican immigrants and as you've said you can personally speak and relate to many issues involving our Latino communities that's got to mean something to you as well as you take on this role that 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 means a great deal to me and I think Dean I think that's one of the main reasons why I, I, I wanted to put my name in a hat and bring my skill set to United Art Coaches because you know it, it is different. You know it is different for the Latino immigrant, and and the and the crazy thing is is that within our Latino community, 
there's other different cultures and communities, right? So it's not just the, you know, the Mexican immigrant, it's the Central American immigrant, it's the South American immigrant, you know, it's, it's the Brazilian immigrant. And it, it, immigration is tough, it's a tough, you know, hot button issue and a hot topic issue. But, you know, I'm gonna use those experiences that my father gave me. That, you know, that he, he left his family behind, essentially, his mother, father, you know, siblings, left his, his family behind at a very young age to come to this great, great country that we live in, you know, America, the United States of America, and to make a better life for himself and for, and for us. And I, and, I'm, and I think that too often than not, we take things for granted here, Dean. And uh, I just want to bring, you know, our experiences as an immigrant. And it's just, it's just uh, you know, it's, just, it's something very close to my heart. And I see a lot of these young players, you know, Latino players that I deal with on a daily basis in Waukegan at the heart of the city. And I see myself in them. You know, I see myself in them. They're growing up. They're growing up in a culture that's different from their family's culture, and that's a tough thing, man. And that's a tough thing. And I think that that's that's the thing. Part of also is bringing why we need to advocate for Latino coaches is get more Latino coaches that understand these players, that understand the families, that understand the communities. You know, and 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 help them bridge. You know, get to quote unquote mainstream, and help them get that bridge into the mainstream. You know, quote unquote, if you can. You know. But yeah, man, it's super close to my heart. And immigration, to me, obviously, is a, is a hot button political subject. But to me, it's it's personal. Um, to me, you know, my wife is, is a blessing, and um, she she's uh, she's been she's my rock, and she's been my support, and she's been you know kind of helping me along the way and kind of keeping my head on straight, you know, and keeping my feet on the ground and making sure that you know we we do things the right way. Well, and I think United Soccer Coaches does, particularly kind of going back to, you know, your comments on what's going on even in our country and, and even my lead into that last question. When you sit and look at the fact that, for instance, the United Soccer Coaches Advocacy Council that consists of representatives from the 13 different United Soccer Coaches Advocacy Groups plus the Advocacy Council Chair where everybody is represented, we're mm-hmm. like the opposite of what's going on in this country and a good opposite, right? Yeah. Yeah, there's no, there's no question. There's no question. That's another thing that that, aside, that excites me. You know, our mission of of diversity and advocacy for our coaches. You know, if if you want to be a coach somewhere in Southern Alabama, or if you want to be a coach somewhere in in northern northern the state of Washington, you know, we're here for you. Your Alaska, Hawaii, wherever you may be on this planet, even. You know, because I know United States coaches were making an effort to be inclusive. You know, throughout the world. You know, and, and give these coaches a, a foundation, give these coaches a platform, a voice um, to help provide uh, the opportunity for everybody. You know, and I think that's one of the most exciting things about, you know, working for United Star Coaches is our mission to help everybody. The timing of your hiring is pretty cool, too, because even as the CEO of United Soccer Coaches says, you know, quote, advocating for coaches is a core pillar of United Soccer Coaches. Yep. And then Lynn says, quote, it's a happy coincidence that Julio's appointment also takes place as we honor the legacy of the Latino community in the United States during Hispanic Heritage Month. Look, your work's going to go well beyond this Hispanic Heritage Month but it is nice that um, your hiring comes at that same time. It, it is super nice, and, and I think that you know, I think the you know during our during our time here with the United Star coaches, I actually do really want to reach out to those to those that paved the way for us as, as young Latino coaches, younger Latino coaches, you know, like the likes of of, of Rene Miramontes, you know, Carlos Juarez, 
Hugo Salcedo, you know, Carlos Mejivar, you know, all these gentlemen that came before us. And, you know, I'm, I'm going to make it a point to reach out to these guys and, 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 and ask them questions and pick their brain and how we can help, you know, because they were here before us. You know, they were here before us, and they were all able to, to make it, you know, make it into the higher level as well as DOCs for stakes and, and, you know, U.S. national team appointments. You know, um, you know, uh, you know, Juan Carlos Micha, you know, Carlos Mejiva, all these guys, you know, we really want to reach out to them too and also include them in this process because I believe we don't know where we're going, man, until we understand our past. You know what I'm saying? Until we understand our past as, as plight for Latino coaches and, and, and as we, um, as we gain, as we gain more coaches and educate more coaches, you know, we also have to know where we came from, you know, where our roots are. And, and we, we gotta, you know, uh, you know, we are in this great country, and it's a fabulous country, but we still have to realize the forebears, you know, the guys that, that laid the groundwork for us. And I, I really, I'm starting that process right now and reach out to them and get and get feedback and, and, and how, we, how we can improve and how can we change and, and just be their voice because, you know, this, I, I, I was speaking to local coaches here in Illinois, some Latino coaches here, we've already started the process, and I tell them, I said, Dean, I said to them, it's, it's, not, it's not my, my chair, right? It's not my chair. It's the Latino chair. You know, I'm just, I'm just blessed enough to be selected to speak for them, you know, and, and it, it's, it's, it's for them to, to, to bring me their issues, to bring me their concerns, to bring me their problems, and seeing how United Arco just can help, help with those, maybe not solve all the problems, right, but, uh, be of assistance, you know, and I think, um, it is, it is a timely appointment, and you know, we're, we're proud to be Latinos, and, and we're proud, and we're proud of our heritage. Right, and uh, you know we're also proud of what all these um, all these gentlemen and women did before us. Well, and uh, I can tell you, speaking on behalf of United Soccer Coaches, they're proud to have you as their chair, particularly the way that uh, you were able to work your way into the association. They love what you've done there. Now, with that, and you kind of touched on it already about you know being an ear and being ready. But as you think about uh, you know one, two, or three things that you want to try to accomplish as the chair for Latino coaches. Does anything come to mind that you can share with us, Julio? Yeah, man. You know, right off the bat, is it, it, is going is going to our membership, man. And I, you know, I, and I told this to to Sue, and and you know, I know Lynn knows about this as well. Is you know, going to them, you know, meeting them on their ground. You know, what I'm saying um, too often in the, the not associations, not just ours, but other associations and federations, wait for people to come to them. You know, we, sometimes we have to go to them. Sometimes they don't know the pathway there, right? So sometimes you have to meet them halfway there and meet them on their ground um, and, and provide opportunities for them to um, to become part of the group and, and be and feel, feel included. Um, the next part would be, you know, we're, we're, we're in the Americas. You know, we're in the Americas. We're, we're in North America. And, you know, we're in the United States of America, so this is our continent. Um, you know, I'd like to also bring in a little bit more uh, influence to our to our, some of our coaching courses and some of our, um, you know, not to say that what's going on now is not not suffice or not good, but you know, it would be an interesting twist to, to, to see different methodologies, you know, and expose more coaches to more styles of coaching, right? Because this journey isn't about who's right and who's wrong; it's about who's effective, right, and what's effective. You know, as, as you know, um, you know, what, uh, what works good on, on theory and practice <laughs> sometimes just goes out the window, man. And you just gotta kinda feel your team and understand your team. And I think, um, exposing our coaches to different types of styles, different types of methodologies 
you know, maybe bringing in some South American federations to do some courses or some exchange programs with South American, Central American courses um, to bring their, their, you know, bring their twist. And I think all of us can learn from everyone in this country and in this world. And I, I think that's the beauty of our game. You know, the beauty of our game is that there's so many eyes out there. There's so many critics. There's so many pundits. There's so many armchair quarterbacks, so, if you will, if I could steal a, a quote from American football. But, uh, you know, that, that's the beauty of our game. Is we need to bring, you know, more ideas and, and more vision to, 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 to our coaches and, and provide more opportunities for them to, uh, to experience the game at an international level. Finally, Julio, as uh, we look at your quick path here into this role, a lot of times people are members for 20, 25 years, and then they say, hey, yeah, I'll do something more. You know, I'll take on a role. <laughs> what made you want to move so fast with this? What was it about your experience? You know, because you just joined in 2016. What was it about your experience in 2016 and 17 that said, hey, I'm all in? I just think it was, it's, the, it's the United States Coaches Mission, Dean. That, that, to me, just kind of blew me away. And then, and then attending the attending the conventions and seeing the diversity of people, seeing the diversity of presenters, you know, it, it was absolutely fantastic, and, and I really wanted—I really wanted to be a part of that, and 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 made that decision after I received the email. You know, I thought about it. You know, um, I thought about it previously, and I heard of the work that the, the old LASC, the Latino uh, Coaches Association, was doing with United Star coaches. I heard about that kind of work, and it was just just the mission, man. The mission, the diversity, right? The diversity is what 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 makes this world go round, man. And I, and I love it, and it's just. You know, the more we can have conversations, Dean, the more we can have conversations with people of different cultures. I, I, the more we talk, and we talked about this with Sue, you know, the more we talk, Dean, the the sooner we find out we're more alike than different. Well, I can tell you this. Any coaches out there listening that uh, want to get involved, they can meet Julio Serrano and yeah. the other advocacy group chairs at the Advocacy Hour Social at the 2020 United Soccer Coaches Convention in Baltimore. The Advocacy Hour will take place on Friday, January 17th from 4.30 to 5.30. And I'm guessing, Julio, if they want to talk to you before that, you'll find a way for them to get in touch with you, right? What might be the best way for them to do that? Yeah, no yeah, no problem. It would be via email, you know, at Julio Serrano, my full name, lowercase, the number 7878 at com. Um, you know, definitely reach out to me if they have concerns, if they have comments, if they have ways to improve, or like you say, Dean, even if they want to get involved. You know, we're, we're looking, we're looking to form my, my team, our team as we speak. Um, you know, our Latino group. Um, and we're always looking for, for great folks, uh, great people, uh, to help that want to make a difference. And I think, um, you know, I think, I think we're off to a good start. And, you know, I just want to thank the United Star Coaches, yourself, uh, Sue, Lynn, uh, Lee, you know, everybody at United Star Coaches have been very welcoming and very inclusive. So, you know, we, to this point, we're definitely living our mission, man, and I'm excited about that. That just it really excites me. We'll end with a quote that uh, Julio actually gave the PR staff when he says, quote, I am committed to supporting the United Soccer Coaches' purpose and to becoming a driving force as we move forward in helping our membership reach their goals. I look forward to helping facilitate, create, and sustain learning environments in which all coaches that's all coaches. Yes, sir. So that they belong and that they can learn and thrive. For you, that says it all, doesn't it? That sure does, man. That sure does. It just it kind of gives me goosebumps listening to it too, because it, it, we're, we're going to do we're going to do our darndest, you know, to roll up our sleeves and make make this an environment where all coaches can thrive. You know, it just so happens that I'm a Latino chair, but 
you know, all coaches can thrive. And, and um, it's just it's just exciting, man. I I really can't wait. You know, I've been kind of I've been kind of um, I just super excited. I'm I'm over the moon about this. I really am. I really am. Wow. I can tell you that I know I speak for the entire organization when I say that it's actually our honor, not your honor, it's our honor to have you involved. Julio Serrano, the new Latino Coaches Advocacy Chair. Congratulations and thanks for being on the United Soccer Coaches Podcast. Hey, muchas gracias, Dean. Obrigado, Dean. And uh, thanks again, man. Appreciate it. I love that. My wife speaks fluent Spanish. I wish she was here right now because (laughs) nothing I love more than uh, when she starts talking Spanish to great people like yourself. So that's awesome. Muchas gracias, senor. Thank you so much, Julio. Thank you, man. Thank you for your work. Appreciate it. Thank you for your work, Julio Serrano. Speaking of great work, Missouri State. That's right, Missouri State, the Bears. They're number nine in the country for D1 men's soccer. Missouri State, Springfield, Missouri. They've got a coach who doesn't want any credit for it. They've got a pretty good player in Stu Wilkin from London, England. We'll talk to him about his coach, about their team, and about their desire to take on Stanford or Virginia or Wake Forest or Georgetown. You name it, they're ready for it. We'll meet Stu Wilkin, a star player for Missouri State. Looking for ways to improve your training sessions? Quick Goal has supplied the highest quality soccer goals, seating, field, and training equipment for over 30 years. From backyards to the world's greatest pitches, Quick Goal has products essential for every level of the game. As an official partner to the United Soccer Coaches and technical partner to U.S. Soccer, Quick Goal knows what equipment you need to take your game to the next level. Visit quickgoal.com to satisfy all your equipment needs. Welcome back to the United Soccer Coaches Podcast presented by Team Snap. Having a great time, of course, uh, as you hear with every guest. I mentioned again that Heather O'Reilly kicked it off. What an amazing career. And we like to, you know, visit with amazing people, amazing happenings. We like to be trendy. So guess what? On Tuesday, the United Soccer Coaches released their men's Division One Top 25. And we're only going to go to nine. And when we get to nine, we're going to do it with focus. So... Men's Division One, University of Washington, heard of them. Wake Forest, Bobby News, heard of them. Clemson, Coach Noonan, yeah, we know them. St. John's, Dr. Dave Mazur, yeah, he's been around a little bit. Stanford, Jeremy Gunn, they won it three times in a row, back to back to back. Who does that? University of Virginia, number six, George Gownovich, he's always going to win. Bruce Arena won, he wins. Georgetown University, you heard my call on FS1 against Maryland, Brian Weiss. He's got a team that's legit. They can win it all. University of Central Florida, Scott Calabri, he was on the United Soccer Coaches podcast. They're number eight. That's a pretty good story, but not as good as Missouri State because here's the one difference. Missouri State hasn't lost a game. They're 12-0-0. They were number 14 last week. Now they're number nine. Missouri State, the Bears, they're in the Missouri Valley Conference. They are led by Coach John Leamy. Who? John Leamy. He's the winningest coach in school history with a 274, 184, and 65 record in 28 seasons. 28 seasons. He's the Missouri Valley Conference all-time leader in league victories with 101. He's the five-time MVC Coach of the Year, 95, 97, 99, 2009, 2013, he sure as heck better win it again this year, and a three-time United Soccer Coaches Midwest Coach of the Year, 97, 99, 2009, 
and we'll probably add to that. Now, if you listen to this show long enough, you hear the coaches say, ah, it's not about me, I can't do it without players, but I really don't want to talk about myself. But, you know, God bless them, they don't mean them. They don't mean it. Coach Leaney means it. He's like, no, it's not about me, it's about my players. I want you to talk to one of my star players. And their great SID, Matthew Hevel, helped us connect with one of their stars. His name is Stuart Wilkin. He goes by Stu. He's from London, England, so we get to hear that outstanding accent. Let me tell you a little bit about Stu before you get to hear that accent. He's a four-year starter at Missouri State with 65 appearances. He's the MVC Offensive Player of the Week earlier this season after scoring in back-to-back matches, including the game-winning goal in overtime at Loyola. He's an all-conference honorable mention selection as a sophomore. He's got 25 career points as a Bear with eight goals and nine assists. And Stu joins me now. Stu, thanks for being with us. No problem at all. It's good to be here. Well, we start with number nine in the country, right? That's where we start. Missouri State, 12-0, and number nine. What's it mean to you and the team, Stu? Uh, it's, uh, it's great to get some national recognition, uh, obviously. Uh, it's fantastic, but we think about things one game at a time, and we're just thinking about this Saturday's game at home against Evansville right now. Well, and what about uh, from London, England, made you say, I want to be at Missouri State University. I want to be with the Bears. Um, well, I played at Southampton's Academy um, back in England, and from that I, I didn't manage to get professional contracts at the age of 18. So Mike Siebel, our associate head coach here, came over with a whole group of American coaches and they're looking to recruit players like me uh, being let go from academies. Uh, Seabolt and I have a great relationship and uh, he uh, obviously recruited me across the pond and now I'm here at Missouri State. So what is special about Missouri State? What city is it located in? What's it close to? What do you like about it? Uh, it's in Springfield, Missouri. Um, I love the place. I love being a, a school that has 25,000 students. So I get to meet all different kinds of people here. My teammates are so diverse from eight, nine different countries around the world. So I'm having a great time here. Uh, three hours away, St. Louis, Missouri. It's a, it's a little bit bigger city and I enjoy spending a little bit of time there when we have some time off in the spring. All right, so you're in the MVC. You were kind enough to listen to my diatribe about your coach, and you were kind enough to also hear me mention teams like Washington, Wake Forest, Clemson, St. John's, Stanford, Virginia, Georgetown. Missouri State, tomorrow, if they said, hey, you guys got to play all eight of those teams and you got to do it, you know, every four or five days, are you up for it? I mean, we'd relish the challenge. We've... uh We've always thought of ourselves as a contender, and we'd love to face some of these big teams, obviously. Um, it'd be a great experience for us to test ourselves among the best in the country. Well, and I know that uh, you've had a ton of coaches in your time, and I know that you know what I mean when coaches say, yeah, it's all about the players, but then they really say, hey, did I tell you how great I was, by the way? When, when it comes to Coach John Leamy, I mean, I, he was like, no, it's going to be one of our players or another one of our coaches. I'm not here for that. I'm here for them. I feel like he meant it. Can you explain the dynamic of him not wanting any attention for being 12-0 and right now? I mean, John Leamy is an absolute legend. You've, uh, you've explained all of his honors that he's, he's had in his past, and, and he lives up to that, obviously. But he's an amazing guy. He always wants the best for all of his players. 
He keeps us focused on task every single day. We're at practice, we're in the film room, we're in the weight room, and he's always keeping us on our toes, and he's always wanting the best for us. He wants more for our program, and he's, he's an amazing guy. Yeah, isn't it mad respect to know that he said, hey, I'd rather have you talk to Stu than me? I mean, that really is saying something, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's great. He, he obviously, as I said before, he wants the best for us, and he wants us to be obviously having the recognition over him because he obviously tells us that we're the guys that are putting it in on the field and we're doing it. So, yeah, he's the guy that's always has the players' interest at heart. So with 274 wins, he definitely knows what he's doing. But for those people out there that are like, wait, Missouri State, number nine in the country, their coach didn't want to talk to you. What's the best way to describe Missouri State 12-0 and soccer? What kind of soccer do you guys play, Stu? I'd say <clears throat> we're a selfless team. There's no one man that's above the team. Um, each and every one of us, we work for each other. We've always been known for a defensive kind of game because we've only conceded five goals this year. But it starts from the front, starts from our pressing uh, with our forwards and all the way through the midfield to the back. So we pride ourselves in not conceding goals. And this year they've, they've been going in for us and we've been scoring. So a little bit of a combination of those two things, really. You say the word pride. How proud would you be to see your team get in, get a good seed, and get out of the first round of the NCAA tournament for the first time in school history? How proud would you be if that happened? It would obviously be amazingly proud for myself, my teammates, and, and the whole university. But as I said earlier, uh, we take things one step at a time here. We're 12-0, and and we're just looking for that 13-0 this Saturday. That's well said. you got to take it one game at a time, and I understand that's not just player speak, but, in fact, you have to do that because you never know the crazy way these brackets go. You know, you got to make sure you win your conference first just to ensure you get in there. I'd like to think that if somehow you got tripped up in the conference that they would go ahead and take two from the MVC. What do you think about that? Do uh, you think we could get two in there if we needed to? I mean, the conference is always pushing for teams to become teams at the NCAA level and going into that national tournament. But we we just have to, as I said, go in one, one game at a time and not to think about that too much right now. Going back to Coach John Leamy, when you leave, and hopefully you'll keep on playing soccer, maybe pro, maybe back across the pond, or maybe here in the United States, there's so many options now with MLS and USL is popping up everywhere. That's a great league, and I spend a lot of time with USL Championship as well. When you look back on it and reflect, no matter what you do, Stu, no matter whether if you become a pro or if you apply your degree that you got from Missouri State, 10 years from now, when you think back on Coach Leamy, what do you think you'll remember most about him? Just how, how much of a positive person that Leamy has been within my experience here from every single day he's got a smile on his face he's encouraging me to to go to school to to do the best that i can in everything i do off the field on the field he's just such a supportive person and if i know 10 years from now if i call up john leamy who know exactly who i am he'll ask how i'm doing he'll want to know everything so he's been a massive influence on me since i've been here Last thing is you're thinking about uh, being in the huddle before you play on Saturday to try to go to 13-0, and 0, and you're looking around at everybody. Are you going to see in their eyes the belief not only that they can go 13-0, and 0, but they can, in fact, get past that first round like we talked about earlier? Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll look in the huddle at every single one of our skies, and we've got 
an incredible amount of confidence right now with 12 wins on our back going into the next game. Well, I wouldn't say we're thinking too far ahead to that first round. We're just thinking of what we can do now on Saturday on the field to be able to beat Evansville and get to that next win. Well, what a great young man you are. Certainly a reflection of your coach. And definitely please thank Matthew as well, your fine SID. You guys deserve attention. I'm glad that we're able to give Missouri State some attention. I'm glad of all your success. And, of course, Coach Leamy, winniest coach in school history at Missouri State. Well done, Stu. Good luck on Saturday and hope to see you somewhere, somehow in the NCAA tournament. All right. Thank you. Thanks so much. Missouri State, number nine, D1 men's soccer. Pretty darn cool. All right. We come back. We'll catch up with another 30 under 30 member, Laura Grau here. We'll wrap up our show. Stay with us. Team Snap's awesome. I have five teams on Team Snap. There are no questions asked by the players, the parents. Very easy to use. Very, very, very easy. Simple to use. Everyone, you know, everything's right there. Messages, availability, boom, boom, boom. I've looked at other at other things, and I think Team Snap sets the bar for this type of team management software. It's the best Welcome that I've Welcome back found. to the United Soccer Coaches Podcast presented by Team Snap. We've got one more guest, and it's one more member of our 30 Under 30. We already heard from one earlier. Why? Well, she grew up in New Jersey. We started with Heather O'Reilly. We had to get her right next to Heather O'Reilly. She was talking about Heather O'Reilly, and now we're joined by another female member of the 30 under 30 class, Laura Grau here. She is the director of community relations for the Kentucky Fire Juniors. It's a club team in Louisville affiliated with the Chicago Fire. She's also just completing her third year as the head coach at Mercy Academy. It's an all-girls private school in Louisville. And then she also works with the OD3 program in the state of Kentucky. She does a little bit of everything. And, Laura, dare I say, uh, I know you're from Lexington, but – you don't have to be from New Jersey to know that if you're on the same show with Heather O'Reilly, you're in pretty good company, right? Yeah, I think that's a pretty safe bet on that one. She uh, She's met a lot to a lot of young girls, both as players and even girls probably that just want to be involved in the game, right? Oh, for sure. Like anytime you have strong female role models that – just go out and do their job and, and continue to promote their sport and promote other women. It's a fantastic thing for anyone, whether you're a player or a coach or just a fan of the game, to have someone like her that you can look up to and watch and, and see her continue to lead in everything that she does. Well, certainly in your role, and you've got most of them, I love this structure of communications role. I love the fact you're coaching a high school team. I love that you're involved with the club, the ODP. So you might just be helping create the next Heather O'Reilly, and that's probably why you got into this business, right? Absolutely. Um, I mean, besides having players that are super successful, it's incredible to work with so many great young women that just are competitive and want to go and play the game and want to be a part of things. So whether they're Heather O'Reilly or not, to get to work with a bunch of incredible young people is fantastic and to teach them to love the game and enjoy it and see them want to come out to train every day and want to play is so much of why I'm involved in, and continue to find different ways and different avenues to share the game and spread how much I've I've loved it and how much it's given back to me with a next generation of upcoming players. 
All right. We know that um, you call Lexington your original home, but now Louisville mm-hmm. is your home. You even talked about the fact that it's close enough yet far enough. I totally get that. But uh, yeah. let's get your story. Yeah, let's get your story leading up until you arrived in your current positions at Louisville. Talk about growing up in Lexington, when you started playing soccer, where you played college, all that good stuff. So I grew up in Lexington. I played rec soccer up until high school um, and then ended up playing club for Lexington FC there and played for my high school, Lexington Christian Academy. Had some different opportunities with college, but ended up landing at a really great school in Center College um, located in Danville, Kentucky. Played there for about a year and a half until injuries in life kind of derailed that. Um, that was probably a solid year, almost two, where I really wasn't around the game, which was hard. There was a lot of life going on that kind of took the sport away from me a bit, but then got the opportunity after graduation. Um, I called a, a coaching friend that I knew and said, hey, give me a job. And I started working with like a U9 academy with Commonwealth Soccer Club in Lexington. And from there, went actually back to my home club, um, Lexington FC, and coached there for a couple years. Kind of felt like I had, you know, wrapped up loose ends on that side a little bit. Um, and especially kind of tied a bow on that chapter by going back and serving as a volunteer assistant with the center women's soccer team. Um, it was an important thing for me that I had made that commitment, and while I couldn't finish it as a player on the field, going back to serve in a coaching type of role was a unique experience from the opportunities that it brought and the ability to work with the team at the college level, but also, like, personally pretty satisfying to be able to say that I had my four years with that program, even though it was in a pretty unconventional way. After that, said, let's give it a shot. Came to Louisville. Um, was really fortunate to get a job coaching with Kentucky Fire Juniors. And just over, I guess it was, you know, eight months ago or so, I became a full-time staff member here. So that's now my full-time job. Um, I get to work and do soccer stuff all the time. And that's pretty much a dream come true. So I, I couldn't be happier with that. Without... You can say what you want, but what what caused the light to kind of dim for you in soccer? Was it just the injury, and then what caused the light to go on and and shine and shine such bright beams right now? I don't know if the light ever dimmed, but I think it just I kind of had to take a backseat. Um, I tore my hamstring, so literally wasn't able to play my sophomore year, um, and then in the midst of recovery, had some family things where I literally got a phone call one day that. You know, we didn't have the house that I had grown up in anymore because of financial struggles and had to deal with that and had a falling out with some different people in my family over over different things and really had to sit back and figure out who I was in the midst of all of it. Um, dealt with some depression, dealt with all of that, and I wasn't able to play soccer at the level that made me feel like I should keep playing. And it was one of those, it was a really tough decision, um, but I kind of reached a point where I didn't know what I could offer from day to day. I didn't know what my body or my mind would let me do. So for me, taking that step back was just where life had put me at that point in time. So I took the step back, still stayed around it, still cheered my friends on, actually coached a local club team there for a little bit that my college coach helped me get involved with. And then when I graduated, I was, you know, I don't really know what comes next and figured worst case scenario, I can coach some soccer. And I tutored student-athletes at the University of Kentucky while I was coaching soccer and just kind of made it work, and it slowly transformed into where I am today. 
as my mom still says today, and she means it uh, with all of her heart, you know, bless bless your heart for, for sharing that story. I, I appreciate it because sometimes it takes, you know, the rocky times to make it smooth and bring that, that bright light. So thanks for sharing that with me. As you look back at some of those rocky times, that's got to – it's got to help you now dealing with young athletes that are probably going through similar things, right? For sure. I think there's always a level of, of sympathy that you have as a coach when you see something not going right, but it puts me in a unique situation to maybe empath- empathize more with those kids because I know what some of those situations are. And a lot of my players have asked me about different things, and, and I'm able to share, you know, within reason where I've been in my life and in my journey, and I think that helps them know that when I say they have their back, I mean it. And that's and such an important part of coaching is your players knowing that you're there for them, not just on the soccer side of things, which is fantastic, but as people with everything that they have going on, whether it's, it's school or relationships or family or anything else, um, just knowing that I think they have you in their corner is an important thing and something that I hope I continue to relay to my kit, to my players, and, and I think for the most part they know that I have their back. I love that. And as you think about everything you've gone through to get to this path where you're doing so many things at so many different levels of soccer, what was the reason for you to want to be a part of the 30 Under 30 program, Laura? I think anytime you have an opportunity to stretch yourself and kind of put yourself out there and say, let's see where I'm at is a good thing. Um, so in the application process, you know, you, you kind of describe where you are and where you're going. And it was one of those where when I turned it in, I said, you know, if I get it, I get it. It'd be great. If I don't, I wouldn't really hold it against anybody. And, and probably still to this day, I'm, I'm extremely honored and definitely was a little bit shocked that they chose me. I feel like I haven't done anything that's spectacular. I've just done a good job. And so there's so, so many coaches that do fantastic jobs um, that, you know, my role now in having a little bit of a platform to speak on different things is to continue to to lift up the next generation of great coaches that maybe don't get that same recognition. So for me, it's it's been cool on that front. It will still and, and probably always will be a little bit surreal um, to be in, you know, that group of coaches. But, you know, it's, it's awesome to see what avenues it's open and connections it's brought and, and to see where it leads me next. Well, yeah, that, and, and I'm glad that you're a part of it. I'm glad that you were kind enough to share your story. So where will it lead you next? Where do you see yourself in 15 to 20 years from now? Laura, are you on the field coaching folks, or are you helping people, you know, in a different role? What do you think you're doing? I would love to continue coaching soccer as long as that's something that I have the opportunity to do. Um, I'm in a an awesome situation where, I get to work with a ton of fantastic players in Louisville through all of the different things that I'm involved in. I get to meet players from across the state through the ODP program. Um, you know, so as of right now, my plan is to kind of travel the path that the game takes me um, and see, you know, what doors open and what things are going on. And But as far as I'm concerned, you know, I would love to be around the game and, and plan on being around the game for as long as possible. And kind of going back to what you shared with us, overcoming some adversity with the injury and some family struggles, uh, if, you know, you are on top of a mountain looking down at some people that need some help, what's kind of your statement to them about keeping their head up? Sometimes it's just about taking it one day at a time. I mean, I think it's easy to see people that maybe aren't on the top of the mountain because I definitely want to put myself there, but have gotten a couple steps up. Um, and realize that it takes a lot, and it's not something that always comes 
immediately and it's not something that comes easily and it's not something that once you get you just get a keep because you already got it so it's constant hard work and constant you know investment in your craft and in your trade whether it's through coaching education or going to watch other people's sessions or finding new things to be involved in um but you know i think put yourself out there take it a day at a time go out and do your best job every day and you know surround yourself with great people that are going to give you that hand up um i've been extremely fortunate in the amount of people that have helped me out along the way it definitely is not a journey that you can make by yourself so surround yourself with great people do your best and be ready to jump through those open doors as they come and, and see where you go from there that's so well said as you know we like dropping names we like knowing about people that helped you become a stronger person who are some important mentors in your life um I think currently right now I have a great supporting staff around me. Um, Tim Nowak, our girls director of coaching, has been great with taking me under his wing and holding me accountable on getting better as a coach and providing me with opportunities to do that in the teams that he's he's had me work with. Um, our technical director here, Mike Dickey, is incredible at everything that he does and someone that, you know, has worked at every level of the game. Um, you know, as a national coach for the Jordan Women's National Team, has worked in the U.S., youth soccer, like, or in the U.S. youth national teams and stuff, so to have someone like that calling and checking in and saying, what are you doing this week? What's on your schedule? What's your plan? What's next? Is pretty cool. Um, my college coach, you know, and when I walked away and, and couldn't play anymore, Jay Hoffman really had the opportunity to say, that's it, you're done. Um, but he opened the door again and let me come back and, and serve in that role with them as a volunteer assistant. So, you know, that's a few off the top of my head. Um, I'm sure there are countless others that, that I, I won't mention or will forget that have helped me out along the way, but those are, those are three I could think of right now. Finally, Laura, it's been a pleasure getting to know you. What's been the best thing for you about being part of United Soccer Coaches and also being a part of the 30 Under 30 program? I think it forces you to get out of your bubble and invites you to create new relationships and meet new people who are going through things that are similar to you and things that are very different from you. Um, you meet coaches from all over the country who coach at a youth level or a club level or a DA level or at the college level or work, you know, in all of these different capacities. And there are a ton of coaches that, like, their stories all kind of align because soccer is always, you know, a little bit similar regardless of the level. But it's interesting to see or maybe they don't align and maybe where you can learn something from them because they do something differently. Um, so I think for me, just being involved with United Soccer Coaches and with the 30 Under 30 program has been a fantastic avenue to learn and to grow and to see things that are done differently that challenge me to see maybe where I can improve and things that are really affirming to say, okay, they do it the same way I do it, so that's a good sign. Um, but that's absolutely been a great thing and something that I'm very thankful for. Laura, well, we're thank you. You shared your story, the good times and the bad, and uh, it looks to me, sounds to me like just more good times are ahead because you deserve it. Laura, thanks so much for being on the United Soccer Coaches Podcast. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Great to get to know Laura. Great to kick the show off with Heather O'Reilly. want to thank all of our guests. also want to thank Michael Knipper, Sean Chevro, and the great folks at United Soccer Coaches. I'm Dean Linky. We'll see you same time, same channel next week for another edition of the United Soccer Coaches Podcast.